Well, listen, welcome this morning. Welcome to church. Welcome here to New Life Church. I want to say hi to those of you watching and participating with us on, on the live stream online today. Welcome into this new year, especially if this is your first time with us this, at the beginning of this year. Uh, well, listen, we are beginning a, a journey together over the next 21 days, an intentional journey where we are going to be spending the next 21 days uh, devoting ourselves to some intentional prayer and fasting. We've got some helpful resources and tools uh, put together for you that, uh, that will be, uh, we'll go over those here a little bit later, um, but th- those are going to be made available to you uh, in print and in digital format online at our website, nlcj.org. And so, um, but to kick things off today, I want to invite you to turn with me in, in, in your in your Bibles or thumb through your smart devices to the book of Philippians, uh, New Testament book of Philippians, got Galatians, Ephesians, and Philippians. It's a four-chapter letter that Paul wrote. Uh, he actually wrote this from prison in Rome, he was in, and um, he uh, wrote this out to all believers at the church, uh, to the church in Philippi, to the believers in Philippi, and um, he wrote it as a thank you letter for their expression of of helping him, sending him some gifts, sending him some aid while he was there in prison. And he wrote this letter to, first of all, express his thanks. Uh, but then in writing his thanks to them, he began to expound and, and encourage them and exhort them that how even though he was in prison, he was confined, uh, he was restrained, he found contentment that only the Lord could give him. Uh, regardless of what was happening around him and in his world, he was expressing to the believers there in Philippi that, hey, life goes on. You guys focus on some things. And that's what we're going to get into today is talking about uh, one thing in spe- uh, specifically. And I've titled today's message, Focus on This One Thing. This is part of a series we started last week called Moving Forward God's Way. Last week, as we started the year off, we took some time to pray a New Year's prayer blessing over our lives and over our families. And so it was a very special time last week and uh, that we had together in that. And just inviting God in, making Him the center, renewing our faith, our devotion to Him, and just yielding our lives to His hand on our life as He will lead us and guide us and uh, fulfill what He has for us in this new year. And so as we are talking about moving forward God's way, we're going to make the next step in this transition and look at what Paul wrote here as he tells us to focus on this one thing. Sometimes it's hard to focus on one thing when you got so many things going on around you, especially depending on how you're hardwired. You, you, you might find it difficult. You might have a hundred thoughts running through your mind at any one time while you're trying to focus on one thing. It's kind of like when you go grocery shopping sometimes. You have a list, but when you're there, you're like, I, I think I might need that too, or we could do with that too. And your list multiplies and grows, and your budget goes from what it was to a higher thing. And you go home, and you're like, well, I kind of blew the grocery budget this week because I thought we needed this and I thought we needed that. Turns out we really didn't need it, but actually it was fun to buy it anyway. And so you're trying to focus on one thing and you got a hundred things going through your mind and just like you're trying to focus on what I'm saying now and you're thinking about what's after church already, right? About what's happening in your world at home, uh, who's playing today for the playoffs in NFL, if you're into that, or what you're thinking about eating, uh, what you got going on for this week. When I said groceries, you're like, oops, I forgot to put that on the grocery list. I needed to actually buy that. Is it too late to, to do the 
click and pull and pull up today and pick it up or whatever. And so we're all trying to focus on one thing. But yet in this day and age, in our time of life, sometimes that is challenging and that is difficult. And Paul, writing this letter, tells us there is something we need to definitely focus on. And we're going to look at what that is today. Let's start here in chapter 1, verse 6. He says, I am certain, I am confident that God who, who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Look with me in chapter 2, verse 13. He says, for God is working in you. Say in me. Say God is working in me. He says, God is working in you, giving you, this is so good, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Paul's writing again from prison, and he's writing this to the church, to the believers, letting them know, hey, I may be where I'm at, but nonetheless, I have found that God is still at work. Regardless of circumstances, regardless of situations, Regardless of what we will go through and what we deal with, he's saying God is still working. Amen? God is still working. God has not stopped working. God has been working. God is continuing to work. And this word here tells us that he will continue to work in us and he will fulfill what he has started in us until Jesus Christ comes back. Until his return. And so God is at work and he won't stop, can't stop working in us. He will continue to keep up the good work in us. And what it, part of the work that he's doing is to work in us to give us the desire and the power to actually do what pleases him. To actually have the want to and the ability to fulfill his will, to live our life for him, to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. God does that. The Holy Spirit does that. The work of Jesus is doing that in us. If we're a believer, God is working in us to give you the desire and the want to, the want to and the ability to do what pleases him. Many times we have the want to, But we might find ourselves saying, as much as I want to, I can't. As much as I'd like to, I'm just too weak. As much as I really want to do this and live this way, I find it incredibly challenging and difficult to stay on track, to continue to focus on that one thing. And and we have to rely on what God is doing. Part of his work in us is he is producing within you and I a desire and an ability to actually do what pleases him. That is possible. That is attainable. That is in front of us. That is achievable in our life here on earth. If it weren't so, God would not have allowed it to be written in his word that about himself, he is at work in you. He will finish what he started, that he's not through. You You may have made a mess of last year. You may have made a debacle of a certain relationship or a certain situation or you didn't handle this right or this didn't turn out the way you hoped it would in your favor or whatever it was but you still have to rely on and trust the fact God 
God is still at work. Paul did not want to be in prison, but it was to his advantage, actually to the church's advantage, that he actually were sitting a while, even though on the, on the outside looking in, it doesn't look good. Paul's contained, Paul's confined, but in the moment and in the time that he's under house arrest in prison in Rome, he's actually able to write some letters to the churches all abroad that he helped start and encourage people and encourage the body of Christ. And we are the recipients of that today. Sometimes what, what looks bad from the outside looking in is that can actually be a God thing, him turning it around and using it for our good. Paul always on the move, always on the go, always here and there, always wanting to be here, always being hard pressed to be somewhere. And here he was, it looks bad. And, it, and I'm not saying the, the, the situation was good. I'm just saying God turned the situation to be good in the midst of what he was facing. And he was writing this to the church of Philippi, telling all the believers, hey, regardless of what life is, how life's treating you, what's going on in you, you need to know God is at work in you. God is not finished with you. What God started, he will finish, he will complete it. He will keep working and keep working and keep working and keep working to bring about his good will for your life. In fact, he will even put inside of you the desire and the ability to actually go after and do what God has called you to do. That's how good God is. He doesn't just dangle the will out in front of you. He puts on the inside of you the desire and the ability to actually go after it and accomplish it and live for it. Amen. So what kind of marriage do you want? What kind of family do you want? What kind of home do you want? What kind of people do you want to be? God can put that inside of you and he can help make it happen. He can help make it happen. And so we have this part, God doing his part, but we have our part Well, we have to focus on something. And that's where we get into chapter 3, verse 13. Focusing on this one thing. Paul writes, he says, Dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. What's he talking about? He gets, this is on the tail end of him talking about and describing arriving and, 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 and being who and what God has called him to be. And he's like, out of all my days, out of all my experiences, out of all my encounters, out of my entire walk with God, I am not perfect yet. I have not arrived yet. I have not finished everything yet. There is still more to experience. There's still more life. There's still more of Christ Jesus working in me, the power of the Holy Spirit to produce the fruit of the Spirit in me. There's more that God is wanting to do inside of my life. I haven't achieved it all. And you would look at Paul's life and you look at the countless churches he started, the countless thousands that he reached for Christ. The, the many times he stood and, and debated the word of God in front of people and turned people to the Lord, you would think, man, surely Paul's a man of God. He was a man of God. He was, he was true in that nature, but he recognized he had still not achieved it all. He had still not attained it all. There was still something yet to be done in his life that God was wanting to work. And he's like, I have not ach- achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. It's actually kind of like three in one because it's all together. It's not just one of these next three things that he's going to say focus on, but it's all of them together. He says, I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead. In verse 14, I press on to reach the end of the race and to receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. There is a heavenly prize. There is a heavenly crown. There are heavenly rewards. 
there's a place that God is preparing for us. And he said, I must press on to reach the end of the race and to receive that prize. So he says, focus on this one thing. Starts out, God is working. God's not going to stop working. God's going to put within you the desire and the ability to live for him, to do what pleases him, to make the choices that we know we need to make, to think the way we need to make according to the word of God, and to have the kind of outcome in our life, the way we live and move, exact, all of those things. He said, God's doing his part. He said, but in order for all of it to really work, I have to give him something. I have to put myself in a position to focus on the right thing. And here he tells us, focus on this one thing, forgetting the past. He just spends the first half of chapter 3 expressing, hey, I was righteous, I was a Pharisee, I lived by the letter of the law, I was a smart one, I could tell you anything about the law of God, I could do any of that, I, I lived it. He said, I can't focus on how good I've been. But then he also tells us how bad he was, how he persecuted the believers, how he chased them down and set them up and confined them and imprisoned them and killed some of them. He said, I was also bad. And so when he talks about forgetting the past, I think he knows what he, he's talking about. Hey, I have a past. Truth be told, we all have a past. But we also can't focus on either how good we have been and get self-righteous or dwell on how bad we've been and live down on ourselves and look down on ourselves. Because you, we do have this accuser of the brethren, the devil, who is out there, who, who does, he's so good at what he does, unfortunately. He is so good at what he does, how he accuses us for all of our mistakes. And he slams us and whispers to us and tells us we're not good enough, we're not going to make it, we shouldn't do this, we shouldn't have that. You can't be this, you can't be free, you can't love that person. You can't Look at all the mistakes you've made in your life. And you name them and the list goes on and on and on. We have the accuser of the brethren working against us. But we also have ourselves working against us sometimes because we are also some of our own worst critics. We can be very hard on ourselves. But then also we can also kind of manipulate our own self and tell us how good we are. At least I'm not as bad as so-and-so. Well, at least I don't do it like that. At least I don't live my life like that. I mean, come on. And we have this, this game going on, this comparison going on, this battle going on. And Paul's like, if there's anybody who can... Who can who can, you know, kind of deal with that and, and talk about that, it's me because I used to be that. I used to be so righteous and I used to be so bad altogether. He said, I have to forget the past because I have to believe that God has a plan for me. God is still at work in me and God wants to be at work in your life as well. Forgetting the past is living a life of repentance. How do we forget the past? It's there, it happened, it's in our memories, but there is a part that God puts out there for us, and that is a life of repentance. It's not a, a one-and-done prayer. Repentance is a lifestyle. It's daily going before God and telling Him, hey, today I will live for you. I will not live for myself. Whether we mean it 100% or not, because sometimes we mean it 100% and sometimes we only mean it like half, because we're like, I kind of want to, but I kind of want to live for myself today too. But it's daily going before the Lord and just living and expressing that to him. That today, I'm going to live for you. 
and I'm not going to live for myself. Look at this with me on the screen, Matthew 3, 8. We're told to bear fruits worthy of repentance with our life. Let our life bear fruits that show the fact that we are living a life of repentance. And then look at this one, Psalm 103, verse 12. David writes this, and this is the same David who wrote Psalm 51 and several other psalms, but the Psalm 51, where he prayed a hard core prayer, a sincere, a sincere prayer of repentance. And then Psalm 103 is just a reminder. Verse 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. There's a whole other teaching I, I've done before. I can do another time talking about the east from the west and exactly what that means. But the simple part I'm going to bring into us today is this, is repentance keeps my sins under the blood of Jesus. Repentance isn't a bad word. Repentance isn't like this hard word like, God, you're talking about repentance? What are you talking about? You want me to nail myself to the cross? And well, you want to, it feels like self-denial? And it's really a heart thing. It's yielding every day, regardless of how many times we make our mistakes and fall short. The Bible tells us that though a righteous person will fall seven times, he will get up again. In other words, repentance is always about determining, even though I fall, I'm going to get up again and I'm going to keep putting it under the blood of Jesus. I'm going to continue to tell the Lord, I'm sorry, and I'm going to keep putting, putting this under the blood of Christ and letting him know, look, I am going to live for you. This will not take me. This will not overpower me. My weaknesses will not always be my weaknesses because your, Bible, your word tells me when I am weak, then I am strong in the strength that Christ Jesus provides for me. And that's repentance. It's, it's determining to live that way before God and keeping ourselves under the blood of Christ. Because here's the thing. When my sins are under the blood of Christ, they don't have the power to resurrect themselves. And so Paul talking about forgetting the past, what he's saying is, look, I am not my past. There's a whole list of reasons that people could blame me for and think I am who I used to be. But in Christ Jesus, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, I am a new creation. My old life has passed away, and behold, all things have become new. And in, in, in Romans 8, or yeah, Romans 8 tells us, there, therefore there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. It tells us, hey, when our life is in Jesus and we keep ourselves under the blood of Jesus, living a life of repentance keeps our sins from resurrecting themselves in our life and and taking advantage of us. And what it does, it reminds us if we're going to forget the past, it tells us we are really not our past. We are really not our past. And you are not your past. In Christ, there's a brand new slate. In fact, the Bible tells us in Lamentations, great is his faithfulness and every day his mercies are made new. Every single day is a new day. And then he tells us this, the second thing. Focus on this one thing. Focus on looking forward to what lies ahead. It's being able to see what is in front of you and aim your life toward who and what God is calling you. God has put this thing, this image, this, this plan, this vision, if you will, of who he has called each of us to be and how he has called us to live our life. 
And being able to look ahead, to look forward to what lies ahead is, is telling ourselves to look forward, aim ourselves toward it. If you aim for nothing, you hit nothing. What are you aiming your life at this year? What will you aim your life towards this year? What will you aim your marriage after this year? What will you aim your family after this year? How, how will you aim and what will you aim yourself towards? The, Paul tells us, do this. Aim yourself toward who and what God is calling you to do. It's about living a life of resurrection. Forgetting the past is living a life of repentance. Looking forward to what lies ahead is living a life of resurrection. It's, it makes what lies ahead attainable in God. Resurrection in Christ. The power of the resurrection of Jesus in a believer, in a person, makes what lies ahead actually attainable. That it's not just some false hope. It's not just some false reality that, yeah, you can be free. Yeah, you can be changed. Yes, you can be different. Yes, your mind can be, can, can be changed by what is true and what is not false. That can all happen. Let's look at an example way on back in the Old Testament. Look with me in Genesis chapter 19. God had invited Lot and his family to leave Sodom and Gomorrah and to enter into a whole new place of life enter into a whole new world. And he, he called them, he was calling them out of that and inviting them into what lies ahead. And he told them, hey, don't look back behind you. You need to look ahead to what lies in front of you. And here's what happened. Verse, chapter 19, verse 26 says, Lot's wife <clears throat> looked back as she was following behind him and she turned into a pillar of salt. She became easily dissolvable and pulverized because she looked back. You see, God calls us and Paul reminds us to look forward to what lies ahead. When she looked back, she lost the ability, the capacity to actually attain what was in front of her. And when you and I live our lives looking backwards, it makes it impossible to attain what lies in front of us. Think about it, and if you're driving your car and all you're doing is looking in your rearview mirror and you're never looking out in what is in front of you, there's a high probability, I don't know what that percentage is, but I'm going to say 100% that you're going to wreck your car. Uh, or if you're riding a bike and you're looking behind you, you're going to end up hitting something. There's all kinds of TikTok videos and other videos out there that show the collapse of people in their folly. Uh, hitting things, dropping things, stepping off of things because they're not what? Looking forward. And Lot's wife, unfortunately, when she looked back, she, that, that, that looking back created a massive impact on Lot and, and their family. In fact, there was hardly much ever said after that about his family. You read the rest of that chapter, not very nice, not very good what happens. Because they looked back instead of looking ahead. Well, let's look at an example in John chapter 11. Look at this with me. John chapter 11, Jesus actually goes and he raises Lazarus from the dead. He'd been dead four days. And 
in the middle of all this, he reminds Martha and Mary, his sisters, Lazarus' sisters, that, hey, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live. Even though he dies, he will still live. He said, I am that. And he goes to the grave. Lazarus had been dead for four days. And he calls Lazarus out of the grave. And look at the last verse in verse 44 with me of this story. It says, And the dead man came out, his hands and his feet were bound in grave clothes, and his face was wrapped in a headcloth. And Jesus told them around them, Say, Hey, unwrap him and let him go. Unwrap him and let him go. Resurrection frees you to move forward in life the way Christ intends. Lazarus coming out of the grave, bound by grave clothes, still looking like a dead man, bound like a dead man, But it was not until Jesus said, unwrap him and let him go, that he went forward free. You see, here's the thing. You and I have have this massive opportunity to either just kind of occupy a seat on Sundays and check church off our list, or we can go more for more and we can say and live a life of resurrection, meaning we live a life of freedom. We can experience freedom. There, can, there are things in all of our lives that try to choke the life out of us. There are all types of things in our life that try to contain us, that try to scare us, that try to paralyze us, that try to keep us bound, keep us quiet, keep us self-reserved, keep us kind of in the shadows of not sharing our faith and living bold for God and all these other things. Whatever it might be, There is freedom that is attainable in Jesus Christ. The power of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead and Him living on the inside of us gives us the freedom to live life and to move forward the way Christ Jesus intends. Because it would be sad to say we accept Christ Jesus, we become born again, but we never ever truly experience the power of His resurrection. Paul talks about this in Philippians 3. talks about, I want to know Him and I want to know the power of His resurrection. I want to know Christ, but I also want to know the power of Christ's resurrection in my life. Even though I might be bound in chains and in prison in the natural, my spirit is still alive and I'm still content and I'm still fueled by the power of the Holy Spirit that I can write these words and I can send them out and people will read them and people's lives will be impacted by them. People's lives will be changed by them. Even though the situation in my life is this, God says I can take that and use it for good because that is the power of the resurrection of Jesus. That you and I have all kinds of reasons to live down. You and I have all kinds of reasons to live with a shadow over our head. You and I have all kinds of reasons to live quiet. But God has called us to be the light. God has called us to be life. God has called us to be people of hope. God has called us to be people of joy. God has called us to be people of love. God has called us to be people of kindness and gentleness and goodness and all of those things. And all of those things are attainable through the power of the Holy Spirit by living a life of resurrection when we don't focus on what lies behind, but we look forward to what lies ahead. And that leads us to this last thing. He says, listen, focus on this one thing. Press on to reach the end of the race and to receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Press on to have the desire 
to want what God has waiting for you. To press on, to want what God has waiting for you. Pressing on is living a life of regeneration. It's pressing on in faith by pressing into a life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm going to look at an example in this last point here. Exodus 33 and then in Joshua chapter 1. Moses and Joshua are leading the children of Israel through the wilderness to one day attain what lies ahead in front of them, the promised land. In Moses here in chapter 33, verse 11, it says this, In the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Afterward, Moses would return to the camp to the people But the young man who assisted him, Joshua, the son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. He would remain behind in the tent of meeting. Then this is what how Joshua's letter opens up. After the death of Moses in Joshua 1, verse 1, it says, The Lord spoke to Joshua, Moses' assistant, and he said, Moses, my servant is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land that I'm giving them. The same Joshua who earlier pressed in to the presence of God is this Joshua later who was charged to press on to lead the people forward. Here's what I want to tell you on this. Is what will give you and I the power to press on in faith in 2022 is found in us first pressing in to a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you and I want to have the strength, the desire, the ability, the ableness, the power, all of the above, to press on and to attain everything that God has planned for us in 2022, it is first set up in us pressing in to a life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ. It means you and I cannot live 2022 successfully, productively, fruitfully, abundantly with God's terms out of our own ability, out of our own strength, out of our own wisdom, out of the old old ways of doing things. We have to be determined. Joshua, given this charge, hey, you can't rely on old Moses anymore. He's no longer around. He died. The time has come for you, Joshua, to lead them forward. And I have to believe that God took note of all the different times the assistant, 
Joshua would follow Moses into the tent of meeting, into the presence of God. I have to believe that God took note every time Joshua went in with him, trailed behind him. And he saw Moses finish and go out and go back. And he saw Joshua stay, lingered behind a little bit. Perhaps Joshua saw the power on Moses' life. Maybe Joshua saw the sincerity in Moses' eyes as he finished talking with God face to face. Then maybe Joshua was like, I got to have some of that. I need to take some of that back with me to my camp, back to my family, back to my little tribe. And then the time came for Joshua to lead, to be in charge of leading Israel forward into the promised land. And indeed he does. Go on and read Joshua. And it happens. That God saw for Joshua to be able to press on and maybe and even Joshua realized for me to be able to do this thing, this new thing, this new year, this new journey ahead of us to cross this Jordan River and to actually occupy what God has called us to occupy and live the way God has called us to live, it was found first in taking the time to press in to the presence of the Lord. Church, that's what I want to leave you with today. As we begin this journey together, these next 21 days, Focus on this one thing. Forget the past. Look forward to what lies ahead. And we find our strength to press on by first pressing in. In these next 21 days, that's what we're going to do. And I want to invite you. I want to invite you, all of us, online congregation, I want to invite you all, join us over these next 21 days. Set your heart, your mind, your attention, your devotion to press in to the Lord a little bit more intentionally, a little bit more 